Okay, guys, I am very excited to welcome our next guest to the show. We've got Mark on the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be here. It's an honor to have you on, man. Thank I'm you. A, Thank you. I'm let's a get freaky. Man. Yeah, that's it, brother. <laughs> I feel like you're supposed to say that, but yeah. let's get freaky. I love the name of the podcast. Thank you very much. I love the name of your podcast. Thank I think you. it's awesome. My family think I'm crazy. That <laughs> yeah. is a cool name, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know some of my family would think it's crazy to be on a show called Let's Get Freaky. I don't know <laughs> if this is anything like, uh, you know, uh, what was that show that they used to do with Dr. Drew where he would ask, uh, you know, about people's sex lives and whatnot. <laughs> that's what I that's what I imagine when I hear Let's Get Freaky. A lot freaky of people think that. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. But maybe here's the thing. Maybe that's an American context. Says freaky. I feel maybe I don't know. Yeah, I feel no, like I've is. heard freaky in an English accent before. It doesn't it have that connotation over there too? Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone thinks it. Yeah. Oh, I should have well, thought of that before I named the show. Really, but. <laughs> well, you know what? We both have names of podcasts that grab people's attention. I think you can't go wrong because really, with the name. As long as people, it really doesn't matter. As long as people like the show and That's the name's it. not so long that they can't remember it, right? So it, you're right on the money. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. How did you come up with a name for your your show? Well, it's a great question. It was uh, it was sort of like a theme for a while that I would bring these kind of conversations up with my family that would lead them to kind of scratch their head and think like, you know, is this kid smoking too much pot? You know, is he just like where reading weird books, you know, and the both were true, but you know, they <laughs> really couldn't figure it out. You know, what was going on, why I had these opinions. And then one day I told them that I wasn't going to be working, uh, the job I had at the time, which was an Amazon delivery driver. I said, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to work for this guy, Sam Tripoli. He's a comedian. He lives in Los Angeles. This was a, you know, to make a long story short, I, I met Sam, gave him a book. He had me on his show. And then that kind of relationship grew until he eventually asked me to work for him as a, a podcast producer, booker type gig. Right. And I've been doing it ever since. And honestly didn't pay enough for me to quit my job but i had enough gusto and bravado about podcasting that i said i'm gonna put all of my you know all of my thought and effort into this and go into it as wholeheartedly as i can and make the show that i would want to make because i had listened to so many hours of podcasts at that point in my life so really when the name dawned on me I went to my family. I was so excited. I'm like, you know, it was some kind of like barbecue summer cookout type thing. And I'm like, yeah, I just got this great job working for this comedian that, you know, lives in Los Angeles. And they're all kind of scratching their head like, well, he lives on the other side of the country. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like that doesn't. Plus, they don't they're not comedy fans, so they don't even know who he is. If I said like, you know, Joe Rogan, maybe they would be like, oh, OK, yeah, I've heard of that guy. But, you know, so it didn't really, you know, get the reaction I expected. Maybe I should have expected that reaction. And as I was driving home, I just thought, geez, my family, they just don't get me. They think I'm crazy. And uh, that became the title of the show, you know, and it kind of uh, it, it worked out great because it's super relatable. And 
I think you probably understand this as a, another host. Sometimes you need like a question to break the ice with certain guests to kind of get them laughing. And that, yeah, yeah that yeah. one tends to do the trick unless there's something, you know, kind of terrible that happened in a person's <laughs> life and they give me like, well, I don't have any family. That's a hard answer to get. But, but for the most part, people kind of warm up and say that and then it tends to kind of cheer the conversation up a little bit it's good to have little tricks like that but yeah it's a it says a lot about who i am because i've always been interested in talking about this stuff and i've had very few people to to talk about it with until i uh started a podcast because now yeah tons of the people listen you know i don't even know that they're listening they're just they're just there listening <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you find you find your people when you put this this sort of content stuff out. Absolutely, I find you find your tribe. I like to yeah. say, yeah, it's and it, that's one of the best uh, results of starting my podcast is meeting folks like yourself who are also driven and creating something that means something to them. You know, whether it's a podcast or video channel or you know any form of creative expression, you know. Uh, building with with my guests and having people on multiple times and kind of bringing this conversation to people who you know like me were kind of lacking this type of stuff in their life until they found podcasting yeah yeah that's what i love about podcasting you can find whatever you're looking for through mm. podcasts well and and let me ask you because i assume by like the imagery that i saw for your show uh, that you're talking a lot about cryptids and uh, creatures and weird monsters and whatnot. And I got a few, uh, not that I've had any encounters, but I got a few stories that I could share. Oh, awesome, man. I'd love to, love to get into that, man, for sure. Cool, cool. Well, I wanted to start by saying you, you mentioned you work with Sam Tripoli, Tim mm -hmm. Fort Hat podcast. i got to say you do an incredible job on that show as well because it is, it's awesome. Thank you. Well, you know, Sam, Johnny, and XG, they would they do all the work and should get all the credit. You know, all I do is just arrange the conversation. You get, you get the guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I think, oh, this is going to be great. And, you know, for whatever reason, Sam, Johnny, and XG don't don't get it, right? Or or the opposite, you know, where maybe, you know, I I just think, okay, this guy's cool. And then they love the guests, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, that turned out better than I expected. So really, I have no control over what happens once <laughs> they hit record. I do my best to get everybody prepared and what happens, happens. I had to, like, let go of that. You know, the first few months that I was booking Tinfall Hat, I was very, like, you know, um, eager to, like, hear what happened after I booked a guest. And eventually I was just like, well can't get my hopes too high sam you know he can only handle so much information almost but i will say he's he's learning a lot i mean it's yeah. impressive the the yeah. difference that he um you know his perspective it seems more detailed more curated you know that's probably not my doing i had a small little little tiny effect on it but yeah i think it's cool to be a part of like his growth as a yeah, as man. a conspiracy thinker into like a spiritual person not that i really had anything to do with that i just happened to be the right guy to help him you know meet these people but uh but yeah it you know worked out great for for the both of us i think you know he found a guy that 
was willing to do a shitty job for a really long time. And, you know, actually, it's a great job. I shouldn't call it a shitty job. But, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm getting like paid crazy amount of money. And you know what I mean? Like it's something that I love doing. And yeah. that's why I do it. You know, I have to do a lot of work on the other side of my life to, you know, maintain uh, what I'm doing with a podcast. Cause for the most part, that's my only job next to working with Sam. Well, you do an awesome job, man. Thank you. You get some incredible guests in. What, what can I ask you what the process is for you finding your guests? Well, I mean, I do, I do have a pretty good, you know, I've been researching this kind of stuff for 10 years now, you know, I'm 28 years old. I've been interested in this stuff for 18 years, you know, or I'm sorry, 10 years since I was about 18. And even before that, I was kind of interested. I just wasn't committed, you know, but eventually, you know, when I started listening to podcasts, I just, for whatever reason, have this kind of categorical mind, you know, or memory for that kind of stuff. So if you bring up a subject, I probably can think of a couple people off the top of my head to talk about that. And that's just kind of how I got things rolling. And as I've worked with Sam more and more, he's always suggesting people like, oh, hey, book this person, book this person, which makes my job very easy. Uh, but I try to, you know, impress him and, and Johnny and the, the audience by finding like better and better guests every has, you know, try to challenge myself. So it's difficult. You know, some people that we've had on the show, they're hard to get in touch with. You know, I have to make like friends with someone who's friends with them or maybe reach out to them and get lucky and that they reach back out to me. Um, you know, David Icke on my own show, that was quite a struggle to have him on, on my show. And even since I haven't been able to get him on tinfoil cause he's just such a busy guy. So uh, there's only so much I can do, but I like to, I like to a keep my eye on what new books have been published and try to get authors because authors are always going to spend yeah. time to talk about their own work. You know, they're trying to promote themselves and, they don't, especially the authors I like, they don't have a lot of avenues to advertise. You know, podcasting is like the only way a lot of these authors get marketing, you know, next to like book catalogs by, you know, the publishers. So yeah, I try to keep my eye on, on that stuff and then see what else is going on in the podcast world. You know, like we don't, we don't necessarily, especially with tinfoil hat, like we don't necessarily fit into just the conspiracy theory category because sam will invite on people like jim brewer or uh you know i mean eddie bravo who is a conspiracy legend but also like a huge ufc guy you know what i mean yeah. like he's he's into mma in a way that like he's recognizable outside of being a conspiracy theorist so sam really transcends like what it what it is to be uh, like a conspiracy podcast in a lot of ways I mean, when it comes to my show, I try to stay in a certain lane, but even with my show, I'm very open about what I what I'm going to talk about. You know, we go everywhere from health to history to, you know, speculating about what's going on in space and beyond the atmosphere if there is even a beyond, you know? I mean, space could be fake according to some of my audience. That's the case, yeah. right? So, yeah, man. So, so I, I mean, I just try to keep my, you know, uh, like my heart open. Cause sometimes I'll, I'll have my own resistance where I'll be like, no, nah, I don't like this topic, but mm -hmm. 
But then I think to myself, but I, that's just me. Like, how do I know my audience, like my audience or even for Sam's show, which I don't usually let my own opinion get in the way when it comes to like booking someone or not. Uh, but for my show, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll just roll the dice with this one and see what happens. And eight out of 10 times, that's usually a great roll of the dice. And the person is great, even though I, I thought, oh, this you know, topic, how are we going to spend two hours talking about it? Or how are we going to spend an hour and a half talking about it? And it works out great. So I think you just got to kind of find the flow state if that isn't too like intangible and, you know, yeah. Uh, well, you, you do a great show because literally all, all your shows keep me hooked, man. So whatever you do, you do it good. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's for sure, man. Thank so you. you've been you've, you say you've been looking into the conspiracy stuff for over 10 years and you've always been right. interested in it yeah. what sort well, of led you to that do you think well it was definitely a number of like uh events as far as growing up from the 90s to now you know i can i think most people my age or or older have some sort of memory of 9 11 you know especially people in america but uh, but that had to be like as hack as it is and kind of trite, you know, everybody says that that was a big wake up for me because I'm not too far from New York City. And then the whole Iraq war followed that. And then Obama with the drone strikes and all that. And I just realized like, oh, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. They're both lying to us and they're both pulling off these false flag events to get everybody to go with their agenda. So that was kind of like false flags and and like military uh, overreach was kind of like my big wake up in a lot of ways. Uh, health was another one because I realized like my elderly grandparents were kind of getting taken advantage of by these insurance companies and doctors and pharmaceuticals that they didn't need to be spending money on, you know, to to keep them themselves like living, but it really didn't even, you know, help in some cases. I mean, God bless my grandmother. She's still alive. And I think that's mostly due to the fact that she grew up in a rural environment and didn't really rely on pharmaceuticals much throughout her life. She even worked for Bayer Pharmaceuticals for some time, uh, you know, within a factory environment, not any like management or anything like that. And, uh, I think you know you work that close to something you start to realize like the the darker sides of it possibly so maybe that's why she was more holistic but you know a combination of things like you know open-minded family members and and just being very like aware of what was going on in the world while many of my friends all they cared about were video games sure i like video games too but I also thought about like, well, is this video game hypnotizing me to want to join the military? And I think when I was young enough, yeah, that was kind of the case. Like I thought about going and joining the military because of what was going on in the world. And I had this like sense of patriotism that just I don't know, was like instilled or entrained into me. And then one day I just kind of woke up to that and realized, hmm, why am I, why do I care? You know, like what, why it doesn't seem like this is, you know, something that is benefiting either side, the, you know, Americans, the only people who are benefiting are the, the 
wealthy corporations and politicians who are, you know, basically funding or uh, causing this war to even happen. So, you know, not that I'm like an expert on geopolitics, but it just, that was all very evident from a pretty young age and always been interested in martial arts and kind of war and history. So those are things that I just naturally thought were cool, you know, like GI Joes and stuff. Like I thought those were cool when I was a kid and it didn't really, I didn't really think about it in the, in terms of like people's lives. So that when I, when that kind of hit me and it's like, Oh no, those are real like human beings. It could be me or my family over there getting like our house run over by a tank you know, that's, that's when it kind of clicked in a lot of ways. And then obviously now with, you know, American politics changing so much over the past, like eight years, just eight years, you know, yeah, with, the, with the big orange man bad and, and the whole pandemic and all of it. I mean, it just, it really, I think, created a situation where, you know, people like us maybe got isolated from their social lives that they used to have. And now we're kind of turning into like podcasts, like we're turning towards podcasts rather uh, to kind of fill that gap in, in a lot of ways. Like it's kind of funny. All my friends now are completely like over zoom. It feels like or over my phone, you know, after yeah. COVID, like so much of my life got shifted around the friends that I used to hang out with in person. Like they just, I'm just not near them anymore. And it's like a combination of like, like I, we don't really, we had like a moment of like, well, now we don't see eye to eye. Like we're not, we don't vibe with each other anymore, you know, cause you guys are wearing masks and getting boosted and I'm, I'm over here like, you know, quitting my job because they're making me wear a mask, right? So I had to have like a couple like realizations in those respects too, like with when it comes to friends and whatnot. And like, it's kind of strange because a lot of those friends were uh, conspiracy theorists, in other words, like before all that, you know, uh, not all of my friends went that way, but m most of them, it seems like most of them did. I don't know what this is about me, but <laughs> uh, I'm happy to have the new friends that I have. But it's, you know, it's interesting. Like uh, when it comes to waking up and whatnot, I've just always been kind of interested in weird stuff and strange stuff. I've been weird and strange since I was a kid. Like Ripley's Believe It or Not was like the first time I saw like Sasquatch. So like for people who aren't familiar, they would have these huge like encyclopedia type books, super colorful with the crazy holographic covers. And, you know, you'd go and look through and there'd be like, you know, of course they'd have like the world record type stuff, like the weirdo type, like, you know, wolf lady and like, you know, deformities and that kind of stuff. But then they had cryptids, they had, you know, UFOs. I think I, I learned about like Chupacabra through that and like other weird little cryptids. Dogman was probably the only cryptid that I didn't know about when I was a kid because we don't have yeah. dogman sightings along like this part of the United States. But Sasquatch was popular enough to where, you know, it was like a American legend at that point. So I kind of got interested in that stuff because I loved animals. So I thought, oh, wow, there's animals out there that zoologists don't like officially recognize. I want to learn about these. So when I was younger, oh, I would like draw 
Bigfoot. I would draw like weird, you know, monsters like from my own imagination. So I've always been into that kind of stuff. It just never had an outlet for it until I found podcasts because like, you know, outside of the more cheesy kind of TV content, like, you know, that's all there really is. There's some serious TV content, but I don't even watch TV anymore. You know, podcasts have completely freed me of that burden in many ways. Uh, You know, choosing which media I engage with at least feels healthier. I don't know if it is healthier, but it definitely feels healthier. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, it's funny as much as I like love the idea of Sasquatch and all that, there's less and less of it that I truly believe in. Like Sasquatch is probably only one that I really like, I think is flesh and blood could be flesh and blood. I think it's more likely that all of these beings are a part of our like unconscious psyche, you know, like they exist in this part of our mind that is trying to make sense of something that's invisible that we can't see because it's like, it's too out of our spectrum of knowing. So it kind of like blends the two together. So instead of seeing like maybe like a tall being that looks like glowing white and like really, you know, crazy dazzling. I mean, it's it's something you can't even explain because that defeats the point, right? It's something that we as human beings, it's out of our perceptual range. So trying to describe it fails my point, but you get what I'm saying. Like we're trying to make sense of something outside of our knowing and so our brain like a computer kind of sees it as a giant ape or it sees it as a dog man or it sees it as this, you know, sea serpent, whatever, you know, whatever cryptid encounter. And this isn't like my theory that I've come up with, but it definitely feels like the one that makes the most sense to me, you know, because it, it feels like, you know, although I want that Sasquatch, I saw that picture of the Patterson Gimlin footage, yeah. footage, like I want that to be real, you know, uh, but it, it might be that these are like electronic signatures of of like something that's just outside of our visual spectrum and our brains just like you know cheat code or cuts a corner you know and, and lets us see it as this thing that's like vaguely within the human culture you know but you- i kind of talked out of our our question there <laughs> that's cool man that's cool do you think that's the same as ufos as well and stuff like that Absolutely. I think UFOs are probably more like are a better example of that, you know, because with a UFO, we have something that's kind of like a controlled situation, whereas, you know, the sky is the sky, no matter where you are on the planet, for the most part, you know, temperature and climate kind of change it. But for the most part, you know, the sky is the sky, right? Whereas Bigfoot doesn't exist really in the desert, you know, or like Loch Ness Monster, you're not going to find him in the middle of a redwood forest, right? So like, I think when it comes to UFOs, it's a little bit it's a better example because it's a little bit more universal and we have uh, more of a record of people seeing this stuff in the sky. Like when people were reporting mystery airships in the 19th century, you know, they didn't 
have metal cars driving around the, on the street. They had wagons, they had boats, and they had like, you know, maybe these like air balloons. So if they saw whatever we're seeing in the sky, it wouldn't have looked like a metal disc. It probably would have looked maybe more like, you know, uh, a, a mystery airship kind of hot air balloon situation or maybe like some kind of steampunk thing with like wood and gears and whatnot because it conformed to what that person was accustomed to in their perceptual reality now that we're in this like silver age or whatever the modern age you have like this kind of uh metallic kind of aesthetic all around us it's easier to kind of piece that together with our mind because we have more examples of things made from that material so now when we see this whatever it is in the sky it's it conforms to that and uh and yeah i i mean it, it seems to make the most sense like i've had a couple different people on my podcast like talking about flesh and blood cryptids and for the most part they're people who are like out there looking for them like they're 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 trying to be like in the woods looking for them whereas the majority of people who maybe they're not like going out in the field but they're kind of learning about this stuff they're doing you know research and reading eyewitness accounts they seem to think that it's something going on in our minds you know and like the best guest I've had on to talk about that, and I recommend you you interview him if you haven't already, is Joshua Cutchin. Uh, okay. He's written a book called Ecology of Souls, and uh, I had him on the podcast last year, uh, or maybe earlier this year, I don't remember. Uh, but we talked about that, and uh, fascinating stuff. You know, it does it does feel like throughout human culture we've been accompanied by these like weird otherworldly beings but they just kind of conform to whatever the culture is that's why they all look different it's not that there's a million different types of these beings it's just they change them, their appearance to suit whatever their environment looks like whatever the people around them are accustomed to that's what they're going to go on because it's like camouflage you know yeah, it makes the the relate like the interactions smoother. I think. Interesting, man. And we all see things differently as well. So if we see see something, we're going to have two different opinions on it, and that could change how we explain it and how other people are going to get that information. Well, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Like uh, a friend of mine and I were standing outside, and he saw a vulture, and I thought it was a hawk. And a few days after that, I kind of, it occurred to me, it's like, well, what if he saw a vulture and I saw a hawk and that both are true? Like, it's not yeah. that like, no, he saw a vulture and I just thought I saw a hawk or he thought he saw a vulture and, and we both really saw a hawk. It's that like, to me, whatever was in the sky appeared as a hawk and to him, it appeared as a vulture, right? Like, it could be that way because we have these like, you know, cones in our eyes that are taking an upside down image, flipping it back around. They tell yeah. us, which to me makes absolutely no sense that our eyes are seeing everything upside down. Like my, yeah, my crazy. floor is my ceiling. 
for a few seconds until it gets to the part of my brain where my ceiling is my ceiling and my floor is my floor. Like I, that part of it, that always confused me, but there is supposedly a delay between what we're seeing and what we're actually like receiving as information, you know, cause this, the seeing is like secondary to receiving that information. So who knows? Maybe all the information is just blurry white, you know, and it's just this blurry white reality that we're in, like in the movies when a character like dies and wakes up in some purgatory. Maybe that's all consciousness and reality is, but like there's these like consciousness computers filling in the blanks. Yeah. I mean, again, like it's all speculating. So I don't want to like, you know, go over here on like a speculative high horse. Cause who am I to like, yeah, you know, I'm not some visionary, but it is, it is interesting to like, think, you know, why, why there's that delay in our perception, you know, yeah. who does, yeah, who's, yeah. Who, who, who does that serve? Cause it doesn't seem like it serves us. You know, I think it would make the most sense for us to see things right away or, or yeah, see sure. exactly what's in front of us, you know? Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. It seems to contradict what they tell us biology is doing, right? Biology is supposed to be evolving to, to be like, you know, some sort of perfected state, right? It's always solving for problems and supposedly fixing it down the line in the genetic code. So... Who knows? Maybe our vision is evolving, you know, as our bodies do, but definitely feels like there's uh, room for these like higher order beings to fool our vision because of what we know about. If if that's even true, right? Because a lot of this science, like they don't even admit that the Sasquatch is real. Meanwhile, they have a, a foot, they have a film of this creature, you know, like I don't yeah. If you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the Patterson Gimlin. Oh yeah, footage. yeah, for sure. You know that was recorded at a time where they didn't have all this deep fake technology. They didn't have top notch costume technology. So you know that yeah. whole theory. If it was a man in a monkey suit. It wouldn't have looked like as specific and no. detailed as that. You, you right? can see so, the muscles moving it, can't you? Muscles and, and breasts too. It's like if you're going to make a monkey, a Sasquatch costume, you're yeah. going to include boobs? Come on. I mean, that to, to <laughs> me, that seems like a yeah. detail that you wouldn't need. Like you wouldn't need that if your goal was to just, you know, scare everybody with a, a fake monkey in the woods. No, it, to me, I think what it was is he was on a horse. He was filming the environment because of the flood that knocked all those trees down. And because the flood knocked all the trees down, the Sasquatch was kind of out in the open and got caught up on real quick. Cause those guys who filmed that were on horseback. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. they were riding down, probably going through a place where the Sasquatch was, you know, familiar with normally there's no horses running through but because this you know weather event knocked all these trees down boom the horses you could just run right up on this guy and maybe that's how they did that like i think it was circ the circumstances that really made that but then again you know i saw that when i was like eight years old and i've believed it ever since so call me biased yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> no i'm the same man 100 percent. i look at that and I, that for me that is 
that's proof for me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think that's all we need. There's the whole argument with the loggers suppressing it because that's a lot of money that they would lose if there's, you know, an endangered species that needs to be protected in forests that they own, right? So yeah. it does make sense that why they would suppress it, right? Our government's not just like you know, the ultimate reigning on parades, like they're not just like the best at ruining everyone's fun. You know, like I think they have financial reasons for doing that. Like that, that's, that's the naivete that kind of makes me laugh about some of the Sasquatch stuff when people are like, well, why won't they tell us about this? And it's like, well, cause they, they have money to lose, you know? Yeah, they, yeah man. You don't want to give up cutting down all these forests. Right. And if there's a, uh, you know, a very, very advanced being living in these forests. I mean, geez, the whole thing is going to be, I don't know, protected. I hope, I'd hope, right. We'd yeah. hope that they would protect those forests. But... It, it would, it would change a lot of things if they just suddenly come out and said that these things are there. Yeah. Well, and it would also probably scare a lot of people from going to national parks. I mean, you know, or maybe even encourage a lot of people to go and try to hunt them too, right? I mean, yeah. If yeah. all this said it was real, now all those hunters who were like, "No, that's just a stupid myth," are actually like, "No, I'm gonna load up and be the first guy to shoot this thing." You know, yeah. so yeah, I think there's a, a number of reasons why, but I think it's also, you know, and this is again a little bit on the X Files kind of side of things, like what we like it could be. <laughs> There, like, there is no flesh and blood version of these creatures, and and they're totally energy, and that you you wouldn't be able to shoot them, you wouldn't even be able to like treat them like you would a normal animal because they're they're not, they're some yeah. kind of energy being higher than us, you know. Maybe like think about it, like you know, in Europe, uh, they had like myths of dragons and you have myths of dragons over there right you know not so much hairy ape men but there are stories of hairy yeah, men in for the sure place. yeah there are yeah but i always think like maybe because like the forest was like left a little bit undisturbed for a little bit longer maybe the the sasquatch is like a manifestation of the forest itself like because the forest is healthy enough to be connected across like a continental scale it can manifest this sort of being right whereas like maybe a smaller forest can only it only has the energy output to manifest like something like this tall and that's why we have like stories of little people or fairies and things like that right yeah. like it's yeah. it's like yeah. the forest itself is a battery and it can only create like a certain size being depending on you yeah. know how much energy is in it and maybe maybe that's a theory that that's yet to be explored but i, I just i like speculating about this yeah, stuff because i really don't think that there there are conclusions that that our generation is going to come to i mean we might we might like throw a dart like close and like almost get it but i think i think we're just the speculative generation like you know, I don't know how many answers there are to be had yet when it comes to these these types of questions because we're we're constantly in a state of change. You know, maybe yeah. maybe there there there's a reason why they're intangible. I don't know about you, but I feel like people are more open to at least talk about these sort of topics now. 
it, it feels like it's becoming more accepted to talk about it. Yeah, I hope so. I think, you know, people still give me kind of like a funny look if I do bring stuff like that up, but I've also, I also have enough, uh, I have enough of an outlet now to talk about this stuff that I don't really feel the need to bring it up anywhere in public or, you know, but yeah, maybe I should try and be more like adventurous at the gas station or something. And, you know, (laughs) say, what do you think of, uh, UFOs, you know, with the, with the clerk or something. Yeah. (laughs) But that's something I try and do now. Cause uh, obviously we're in our podcast world and we're talking to like-minded people all the time. And I sort of forget that. And when I'm in my normal day-to-day working life, I'll, I'll just throw something out there and you just get the looks like, <laughs> what are you on? <laughs> right, right. I, I think, I think they're mad for not looking into this sort of stuff, you know? <laughs> well, that's a big, that's a big part of it is like some people just, they either have so much going on in their life that they're kind of at their capacity. And it's not that they don't understand or couldn't understand yeah. They just don't have the room for it in their life. And I respect that. I think if people have enough going on to where like you know, there's a, this kind of information isn't going to fulfill anything for you, well, then that's probably because you're getting it from like, you know, sports or whatever, right? Me, I watch sports and I'm like, I don't really get it. You know, like what are, what are they on? What are they get? What are they going on about? You know? So I think, you know, probably it's, it's fair for people to have that reaction. If I bring up, you know, like uh, the, the blood cells that they put in chemtrails. Did you hear about that recently? Can we get into that? Yeah. I learned about this recently. I think Sophia Smallstorm talked about this on tinfoil hat, but she was saying that, in some of the chemtrails, they're they're releasing basically dried blood cells. And why would they do this? Well, apparently it's to provoke some sort of biological change in humans on a massive level. You know, kick kick off some kind of like um, response on a molecular level where our body starts to like I don't know build up with these red blood cell i mean wow it's a, it's a lot of stuff that's above my head but when it comes to like those people who are fulfilled from other things like sports and whatnot i'm like well you this is why they have sports it's to get yeah. people away from yeah yeah to get people away from those kind of things like you know flat earth ufos bigfoot they're great to speculate on i think but at the end of the day what's more important i think those the chemtrail issue i mean yeah man whether they're chemicals or human blood cells or whatever else they want to put in the sky like that's something that has been you know relegated to this same realm and it shouldn't be that should be like up there with like number top five you know military and health concerns you know because if not our government or your government or chinese government i mean who knows it could be russians spraying stuff into the atmosphere and so there's a lot of stuff that like we as a public we just take for granted that our government's you know on the up and up about it And, and theoretically some of this stuff would be totally undetectable until it's too late i mean you look at some of the stuff they use for crowd control they have like you know trucks with these big plates on top that fire like uh noise at a crowd and i think they 
they have a variety of effects. They can like make people shit their pants. <laughs> they can make them like feel uncomfortable and want to move. They can make people go like mad. I'm sure. So yeah, think about that, you know, like they have yeah. all these invisible ways to to mess with us. And uh, you know, I I think I think somewhere in the like whole arena of these topics that like bigfoot and ufos seem like less important compared to the other two i just mentioned and others yeah i think the answer to those is connected to the more important answers as well like it's all in this big category that can only exist because something about humanity has lost touch with itself right yeah like we don't understand bigfoot because we don't understand ourselves we don't understand our military you know hurting us because we don't understand ourselves you know they've pushed us into this state of of like getting our fulfillment from you know fiction or comic books that's me comic books talking about myself here sports you know whatever right i think they push us into these kind of like um little like circles you know keep us quiet we'll try and keep us quiet well even quiet is 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 more like i would i would kind of like that better than what we're in now because at least quiet implies that people are aware and being shut up i think now it's 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 more like keep us busy because they know like if we're not busy we will figure it out and then they'll have to keep us quiet right so they keep us busy. They don't need to keep us quiet because nobody knows what the fuck's going on. So I think that's a lot of what's going on. It's like the people who hear us talk about UFOs or Sasquatch, like they're in this cycle of like cognitive dissonance. That's not really even their fault. Like they didn't consciously choose to be like the guy who doesn't care about open-minded topics. It's just the role, like the, the road, route that their life led them down you know and yeah i think some people have like a a moment where they're like whoa i don't want to keep going down this route and that happens for a number of reasons maybe something shitty happens to you maybe something really great happens to you and you have this like moment of like oh this is what my life's really supposed to be about but i think people who don't have either and they just kind of coast along through life. They, the things are good for them, good enough to where they just get what they need and they don't get pushed to like that. I think that's how we've gotten to this point collectively as a humanity is that there's been enough people who are just kind of coasting along comfortably yeah. and they're not, their vision isn't on the chaos and destruction that's going on because their head is comfortably placed in this like you know blinders they're just looking straight ahead at what's in front of them and they don't see that what they're on is like you know chewing up everything around them yeah you know i think and then the people who are getting chewed up like what do you do you sit on a a hotline and talk to some you know digital computer until you find a voicemail box and leave a message like that's what everything is getting to now they're all digital or in another country you know nobody's here to help us anymore it feels like yeah man i mean for me i've always been into conspiracy stuff i feel like forever Mm. the real wake-up call for me was the last few years obviously with the covid 
the lockdowns, like that really opened me up to what I'd heard a lot of conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists that um that I'd listened to talk about. And it's you can see it playing out. So right. that that that's what opened me up, especially seeing during that COVID period. Yeah, well, and especially when it comes to you know our our bodies, right? I mean, not a lot of people even thought about that topic for a long time because it was something that they did to us when we were kids. At least here in the states, you know, you get your shots before you went to school. Yeah, and you didn't, you know, you didn't really think about it much after you got older because it was just something that. You thought, well, well, I was a kid. That's why I didn't like it, right? But I remember being a kid and, and getting those shots and thinking like, I think I even talked my mom out of getting me more than I, you know, because there was like more that I could have got that were optional. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's just get what we have to get. Otherwise, you know. You knew from uh, the start. <laughs> well, I, I'm not trying to like, yeah, pat myself on the back, but I did feel like there was something odd about it you know from a young age i didn't have like this inherent trust in medical authority that a lot of people seem to have very recently so yeah i i don't think it's anything new i remember there was like books i could find back then when i would like look that stuff up and it was one of these topics that made people really uncomfortable you know and i i think the best thing that happened over the past five years, four years, is that so many people are not too uncomfortable to get into that now, right? Because they have a visceral experience of, you know, that being shoved down our throats. I mean, I, for one, I could say I was never forced to take the, you know, the juice because I quit my job. I said, I'm done. I'm not going to do that, right? So I'm kind of I don't know. I guess I'm lucky because I was able to afford to do that or I was smart enough to like think of something else to do that wouldn't make me, you know, get the juice. But a lot of people, you know, they couldn't quit their job. They had a great job and they probably had kids, you know, that that puts you in a real big position because anyone who has kids, they're like, well, I'll do anything to make sure my kids are okay. Yeah. You know, and I think when those people realize like, oh, not only did I screw myself over, because I thought I was doing something good for my kids and I got lied to, but I also put my kids in jeopardy because I got lied to. I think that's going to be like when people really, you know, come to grips with that. I think some people are going to be in denial probably about that for a long time. But I think when people come to grips with that, it's like fool me once, can't get fooled again. And and yeah. that's the best thing about at least my country, and I think I get a sense of this from a lot of guys in the UK, is like, you know, for whatever reason, like, we're not going to take it. You know, we're not going to let that shit, you know, come come through again. I think that's that's what's really inspiring about, um, you know, having to go through that as a group, right? Like I was saying before, we all kind of found each other through these podcasts and like uh, got to kind of vent you know frustrations because you know if you did it in public like me you look like a freaking lunatic like i remember <laughs> getting kicked out of whole foods a grocery store near me because i didn't want to wear the mask and i'm just like why like it's it's 
80 degrees on a June and on a June day, like there are no bacteria out here. Like they are all dead as a doorknob. The bacteria are gone. It's June. We're good. You know, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, no, man, it's getting worse. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I'm with you. I think that was, that wasn't what woke me up, but that's what fired me up. I yeah. Think. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, cause I, I didn't want to wear a mask. I didn't wear a mask or anything like that. I remember having a, not an argument, but a little debate with a guy that was wearing, you know, not the face mask, you know, the shield. Some people, <laughs> yeah. some people went full out and wore a shield. Full but, stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. But there's like a gap, like a massive gap in between their face and the shield. Like, do you not right. think, <laughs> and I remember having a, a debate with a guy. He's telling me I'm, I'm wrong for not wearing a mask. And I was like, mate, but, You've got your shield on, but do you think nothing's getting through? I mean, I just, I just uh, it was a strange time. It still is, but. <laughs> Some people, you know, they just throw reason to the wind because of fear. I think that's yeah. really what it is. It's just fear. And, and yeah, and then you put them in this situation where they're fighting, you know, like I did that too, where, you know, people would be like, oh, you should be wearing a mask. And I'd argue with them. And all that did was just make them, you know, believe in masks more. It didn't yeah. win me over, win them over or anything. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if that'll that'll happen again to the folks who who kind of, uh, you know, were were rad, riled up or agitated by it. But unfortunately, I think the same is true for the people who went with it is like now forever. They're just in with the farm, big pharmacy, yeah, big pharmaceuticals. They're just. Yeah, they're just they're customers for life. So, uh, it kind of worked in both both ways in a in a sort of. I think we're we're kind of reaching a situation where you know who knows maybe we'll have like a country one day where it's like yeah we're you know th this is the country to go to for medical freedom so to speak whether it's the U.S. or, or wherever I probably won't be the U.S. given how many corporations are here. But yeah, I think that's what we're going to get to is like people moving to other countries for medical freedom, not just like, you know, in the past, it was like financial freedom. People would move to the United States, you know, to be kind of more yeah. financially free. I think now it's going to be maybe different where people leave the United States once they have money to like have i don't know more freedom right who knows where that place will be i don't know yeah because a lot of people in the states seem to have moved to different states right well there yeah that's that's what it really was is more that's a more accurate way to put it is like there are states now where medical freedom is like a thing you know florida texas and it's kind of interesting because like when I became a conspiracy theorist or when I was being educated in this stuff, it was all by people on the left who were against George Bush and the conservatives and the Republicans. And now, you know, everybody who's against the president and, you know, all this stuff is in a Republican state and I'm in a blue state, but there's so many people here that I know think like me enough to where I don't really feel like I'm in a blue state you know like i think that that and the same is probably true for like texas like you could be in a place like texas and still have people that 
are you know totally at odds with each other i don't think we're ever gonna find a situation where one whole state thinks the same you know but it definitely it definitely feels like they're trying to push that on us this idea that like oh you you think this way well this is the geographic location for you right and yeah. and that kind of fits in with the 15 minute cities because now the people who are more maybe moldable and and shapeable by authority they're the type of people that are going to be more comfortable in a 15 minute city and, yeah. and not question as much so they're going to get pushed into those situations and they'll say all right well if you don't like it get out and go live on the frontier go live out in the in the wild where you need a truck or electric car or whatever nonsense they're going to give people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The 15 city that, that freaks me out, man. Uh, right. Just something I don't like about it, obviously. Well, but you, you're, you're a London guy though. So I mean, how, how much of London would be all that different in a 15 minute city? I mean, isn't true. London already true. pretty great if you're a walker commuter, right? Yeah. Yeah. True, man. Yeah. I mean, you don't really need a car if you live in London. You can go anywhere, um, every shop problem, in every street. The problem would be telling people to stay in a 15-minute radius in a place like London. Like, why, man? Yeah. I, I, why can't I go to the south side <laughs> yeah. or the north side? Or, you know, yeah. why can't I go down downtown? Like, I think that's going to be the, the weirdest part with those. It doesn't really – I don't, I think that's a lot of, like, tech wishful thinking, like – a lot of these like very brilliant people that we're looking to right now to like innovate and change the world like they're some of the most like neuro specific type of people like they're the type of people that like being in an office or a lab all day <laughs> you yeah. know like those are the type of people that are kind of creating our future right now so of course it's gonna reflect the kind of psychosis that they all seem to share which is like an obsession with their virtual identity, their obs an obsession with like the digital metaverse and, and having every part of your life kind of augmented in that, right? I think that's kind of the idea with the 15-minute cities is just going to be this place where people who have that particular type of, I think it's a mental illness, they're going to gravitate towards there, you know, and, and maybe a place like that will even kind of create that sort of mental illness in people where you know because they live in a 15-minute city it changes their behavior that changes their genetics even possibly i mean yeah. who knows right because yeah. that's our our body adapts to its environment so i couldn't think of anything worse than a 15-minute city man <laughs> yeah. i'd rather live in a forest on my own than a, yeah well yeah I, a, you know what i mean I love driving. I mean, especially listening to podcasts and driving. That's a big part of it for me because you just get into the zone, you know, you can kind of like hypnotize yourself while you're driving. So, yeah, the electric cars, 15 minute cities. I'm with you, Tom. Like, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not oh, going for there. Sure. For sure. I'm cool with gasoline. I want gasoline and a nice car to drive and, and nobody telling me how far I could take it, you know? Yeah. If I want to drive to Canada, I want to drive to Canada. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I don't like borders and whatnot. I understand them. I'm not gonna protest them. But I, I I think that's kind of even that, like having to get a passport just to drive to another piece of land. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of silly to 
escaped me. But it is crazy when you really think about it. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it shouldn't be that way, but you know, I guess theoretically, it's supposed to uh, make us safer if they can track all of us, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's the idea. So that's why we got to be smarter at just keeping our our identities questionable. You know, if you have to go by a couple different names you know, to confuse these computers. I think that'll save us five, ten, fifteen years of uh, <laughs> of technocratic dominance. You know, if we could kind of hack our way into a situation where maybe they just give up on trying to create this electronic surveillance net, maybe they realize it is it's too difficult, it's too big of an undertaking. They can only pull it off in small locations, and then we just avoid those locations and places won't exist because who's going to want to live in a place that's hurting them you know i think that's the that's the realization people are going to have to make is like maybe the places that we're living are hurting us i mean what what could you do about that i don't know i don't know i mean i'm not i don't have the solution for that i would say you know if you can afford it move to a place where you have your own land you know but yeah. even that that's you know not always a a great option yeah. either so because <laughs> yeah. then you're by yourself right if you're all on land you know you need to have like a real community too so it's a it's definitely a situation that i'm thinking about more and more now that i'm you know the age to like like move into a house and whatnot so i gotta yeah. figure that situation out soon yeah man but it's like you, what you said about the the um the blood cells in the chemtrails Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that none of us can escape. If that if that's the case, we are we're in serious trouble. Well, I do think that you know an atmospheric scientist would probably tell us like there are certain locations on the planet that are better than others for a situation like that. Like uh, you know, if you're downwind as opposed to upwind, you know. But yeah, I I wouldn't I couldn't imagine like you know what to live your life under a mosquito net you know like uh, yeah. even that wouldn't do it do it right these are micro particles so yeah. Yeah, there's, we're definitely reaching a situation uh here on earth where we might you know change forever as humans and not be able to to change back you know i don't know if that's something that our government would do to us uh to kill us or maybe to change us you know make us more controllable I think if anything, it's that last one to to make us more controllable and and you know a commodity rather than thinking, living, self-actualizing beings, which we are. And, and you know, hate to like ramble back and forth, but I don't think that we could ever really be defeated. Like the soul, the human soul, can't defeat itself because ultimately, like the people in power that are evil. They're just humans that have lost touch with their 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 like goodness, you know. If they're really evil and they're really doing things that are hurting people, it's because they went astray or someone went astray with them in their mm -hmm. upbringing. I think that's really what it boils down to. I don't know that people are, you know, born to be evil. I I think that's that's something that only exists in like novels and you know fiction and stuff. You know, I think people. People just go astray and, and you know, their their soul kind of closes closes them out. And then they kind of, they're just 
living on that like lizard brain you know circuit which is why the whole lizard people thing comes from because they're only thinking for themselves they're not thinking for the community right lizards they don't have packs you know when lizards get together it's because they're either like fighting feeding or fucking right like they're not they're not hanging out in groups you know yeah. uh i think komodo dragons are the only reptile that hunt in packs or f- eat in packs crocodiles might do the same but again they're not working together they're like fighting over the food and i think that's what happens to people like if they live uh through maybe it's trauma maybe it's neglect whatever they reach a point to where you know they're just they get to this circuit of me 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 it's all about me i'm all that matters and that's i think that's evil you know that's 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 the root of it at least or maybe the cause of it it's not the end all be all you know and i'm not apologizing for for their you know acts or anything like that but i i think we have to start thinking of it in those terms rather than like this battle of good versus evil or god versus the devil because that i mean maybe isn't as pervasive where you are but here in the states like that's a big you know people fall back on that you know if something bad happens there in their life you know it's either because they weren't right with god or the devil did it to them you know like they kind of excuse things in this way so yeah uh, i think we're just kind of uh as a humanity maturing into like a, a older phase like we're we're no longer teenagers as a humanity we're like becoming yeah. adults you know yeah man and hopefully more of us it does seem like more people are waking up to what what seems to be going on so hopefully that uh, our tribe keeps getting stronger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you why I've got you? Have you had any paranormal experiences happen to you, would you say? Well, aside from strange dreams, aside from synchronicities, I can't say I've ever had any like spooky encounters. There was one instance very late at night right where I'm sitting where I saw what I can only describe as an apparition seemed like a face of a person that I'd never met before it wasn't like a wasn't like a vision of someone I knew and I caught it out of the corner of my eye late at night wow sort of like a person coming towards me so I don't know what that is I don't know if that's somebody who used to live in this apartment or, you know, whatever. I, I'm not like a skeptic. I think those things are possible. Um, but no, I, I also have like this thing where maybe if you ask for it, you don't receive it when it comes to like paranormal stuff. Like, you know, like the old adage, like if you ask for it, you, you'll receive it. I don't think that's true with like, cryptids i think the more you want it the less they're interested in spooking you you know i think i think they go after people who aren't expecting it at all like if they're even intending on going after people i think it it, people who are like purposely going ghost hunting or purposefully going like sasquatch hunting or whatever i think they're giving off like the mental idea of i'm coming to find you and if it's an animal or if it's a a paranormal being i think they're able to catch that 
energy and pick up on it and be like, oh, I should skedaddle, especially if it's an animal. Like if it's a Sasquatch, think about how hard it is to come across like a wolf or a bear. You know, when you're in the woods, you don't meet these animals because they know you're there 10, 20, 30 minutes before you even can even have the slightest inclination that they're there. Unless you're a tracker, unless you've trained yourself to do this, you're going to have a very hard time. Unless there's some kind of like natural, maybe a waterfall that like the animal can't hear you and you sneak up on it. I've had a situation like that where I've seen, you know, number of animals because the water is obscuring uh, you know, their their sense of smell and their their sense of hearing, you know, because they're oh, really? just they're, they're drinking water. So they're not like, you know, sniffing the air, particularly at that moment. Yeah. I've seen birds that way. I've seen a bald eagle that way. I mean, there's, you know, water, water tends to be where animals just you, you'll see them there, you know, so yeah. if you're smart, quiet, you can probably see stuff there. But I'm escaping my point. I, I think these beings, yeah, they just the only way to catch them is to surprise them. You know, you really got to surprise them. I don't know how rare or how rare or often they get surprised, you know, but yeah. I'm sure people, people have done it because there's tons of people who they're not lying. I mean, I've talked to enough liars to know when I'm being lied to, I think. And, and I, yeah. I've had some interviews with like Sasquatches and what <laughs> I should refrain that I've had interviews <laughs> with people who, who say they, they've seen Sasquatch and they don't seem like liars to me, you know? So that's, that's one, one creature that I really do believe I've talked a bunch about tonight, but no, sadly never had any, any uh, encounters of that kind. I go to into the woods often and I think I'm, I'm not in like a spot where Bigfoot are particularly like seen very often. So that could be why. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, nothing really that spooky. I think everything that any encounter I can think of was self-generated in some way. You know, when you go out to a place and you're scared and you kind of generate, you know, your own, kind of the, your fear kind of creates something that wasn't there. Maybe I'm just chalking it up to that, but yeah, maybe I've heard like a howl or like a, a wood knock, but I, I definitely... I definitely wouldn't have like believed it. You know what I mean? Like, like you hear it and you're like, Oh, that's weird, but it couldn't be like, and then you just kind of like, that's me as much as I love this stuff. I do kind of have like a, maybe to a fault, a uh, skeptical mind about a lot of this stuff. I think like my girlfriend, she's a little bit, she always thinks like I'm a skeptic because of that, you know, cause I'm always like kind of trying to give the more earthy angle. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, that's probably why I haven't. So you think you possibly could have heard one? I could have. Yeah. I think I've definitely heard weird stuff in the that's woods. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, here, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to the States, but the woods yeah. are massive. And if you've yeah. been, you know, I mean, there are places like that are just like massive and go for miles and miles and miles. And, Oh yeah. I mean, I've been up to Maine a bunch of times and I mean, you hear some weird stuff at night in Maine. So yeah, <laughs> maybe it's wolves, but they're there for sure. I believe them. Yeah. 
I'd love to. That that's a dream of mine is to go out there one day and uh, hunt for the big look for the bigfoot. <laughs> well, you that wouldn't is have a, to go. Wouldn't necessarily have to go to the West Coast. There's a lot of bigfoot apparently in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I've even speaking to p- people recently in 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 Britain that have had encounters, and as you say, you talk to these people, and you know they've got no reason to lie. Right. Very, you know, you can tell when someone's making stuff up and I don't see any of that. So it's very interesting. Right. Right. And what do, what do they have uh, in England? Cause you guys don't go by the, by feet, you go by metric. So is it a big metric out there? What <laughs> the <Yeah>. big meter? <laughs> we, uh, we, we've got a lot of forest there. Like obviously nothing compared to the States, you know, yeah. You could probably go missing in the forest and never be found again in the states. I mean, there is there is obviously massive parts of the UK that you could you could yeah. hide in, but um, yeah, no, a lot of people claim to have seen these things, especially in Scotland and places like that, where right. there is a lot of countryside and forest. You know, do they have a specific name for them? Like in Australia, they call them like the Yowie, and in yeah. you know Asia, is like the Yeti. Well, I think you got you got wood woes. Um, Forest, oh, yeah. uh, what are they called? I mean, we call them Bigfoot now. I think that's pretty much universal uh, now. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. So there's, there's a that's that's another thing that I find interesting with the Sasquatch, is that every culture's got them, right? And they go the by, they even go by like the environment too. Like you yeah. know, there's swamp, there's the swampy kind of swamp apes that you see in the swampy areas. And not just like in the states, like Florida has the swamp ape. In Vietnam, I believe they have sightings of like something called the Orong Pendek. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe might be something different, but it's like essentially like an orangutan style Bigfoot, like a Bigfoot that looks like orange and yeah. lives where orangutans might live. Or you know, uh, that's the other thing. It's like it kind of makes sense for these giant apes to be here in North America because there was like this uh, for the long time, you know, we're told this glacial kind of situation that left a lot of the, you know, prehistoric animals in a really bad spot, but the hardy ones were able to survive maybe as recently as like 10,000 years ago in like the case of the, woolly mammoth right which in terms of size like if a woolly mammoth could have existed why wouldn't a big giant sasquatch you know i mean it just it it seems like it's the type of creature that once existed when prey was much larger and now has changed its sort of features somewhat to adapt to now this world where maybe there's less big prey for it to go after so it's you know doing what a bear would do I mean, theoretically, they have, you know, they would have the same kind of um, physiology in a lot of ways to a bear. So, and we know bears can get to up to like 14 feet when they're standing on their hind legs. So, or 14 might be Sasquatch. I think, I think bears, (laughs) the tallest bear is like nine feet or or maybe polar bears get up to like 10 or 11 feet tall on their hind legs. But if, if bears could get that big, I don't see why, uh, you know, a leftover species from, you know, pre-glacial times, like a giant ape, why not, right? So, yeah. yeah. 
Interesting stuff. Can I ask you as well? You said you, you've had some strange dreams. Can we go into that? Have you got time or? Yeah, yeah, we got some time. I mean, when I was a, a kid, I remember having like two interesting dreams that I never forgot. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of funny because when you asked me, uh, you know, that question, I didn't, I didn't really think of anything, but I thought of this and I haven't thought of this in a long time. So it's just interesting that you kind of pulled this out. But when I was a kid, I remember having a dream of being in this like position, like a puppet, like a marionette and like having like, you know, strings pulled and being on a stage and then, and just feeling like, Oh, this is, this is not, real this is like kind of like the truman show idea like my life was not what my life is like there's something else going on right like this physical life is like a a play and you're going into it like an actor in reality your soul is has some other life so that obviously i didn't have all that context when i was a kid i just remembered the images but as i got older i'm like huh maybe that's what that dream was about and then another dream that I had was like in this like futuristic kind of like hallway. I'm like moving through this mansion, the rooms that are changing. And I have this dream often. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I'll like go back to this dream often. And it'll be like, like a couple of weeks ago, I had this dream. And it'll be like, oh, I'm driving in a car with people I've never met before. And then I'll, oh, we're at this place. And it looks different on the outside and then all of a sudden it's this same mansion rooms changing glowing hallway so i don't know what any of that means it all could just be like part of my imagination or something but it definitely feels like dreaming is like this part of our life that we don't think about seriously enough you know like there are like dream books and stuff and like it tell you what the symbols mean and, and whatnot, but I, those, none of those books have ever like hit me. The only symbol from my dream that I could really say is like meaningful was like, uh, like having a dream about like a snake. Like if you've ever had a dream about a snake and it wakes you up cause you're about to get bit by a snake. Yeah. Well, I've had that dream a couple times and apparently it means something. And that is, that is interesting. I don't know what it means off the top of my head, but every time I've had that dream, it's it's been like uh, the same circumstances going on in my waking life. Whether it's like jo- switching jobs or something, it has something to do with like, you know, um, like an event in your life and then you'll have this dream of like a snake attacking you, right? <sighs> so that was that was like, that one and the alligator too which same thing just an alligator instead of a snake interesting yeah it's interesting because i i have a a reoccurring dream Mm. and it's always always looks pretty much the same and it's like i'm in a haunted hotel and i'm walking down like the shining sort of look and i'm walking the corridors and i'm sort of lost and i'm terrified in these dreams horrible dreams and i wake up and i'm like oh just a dream but it's something that i have a lot i don't know if it means anything but it is and that's i'll have that you know once a month or whatever like it's something that 
a dream that keeps coming back. So that's very interesting that you said that as well. Yeah. Well, Hey, if anybody's listening and, and knows, uh, dream science, get in touch with us. Or if you know someone who knows, uh, we could have them on the podcast and do yeah. like a, a dream, uh, dissection to dissect yeah. the dream, try to figure out what's going on. Cause yeah, that that's one thing that I really, uh, maybe because I smoke a lot of cannabis, I maybe don't have as much dreams as the average person. So when I do, I really like appreciate them, I guess, <laughs> you know, like they yeah. mean more cause they, I don't, I don't remember them as often. Yeah. It's weird with dreams. Cause I have dreams that, you know, when you're in the dream, I, f- I feel like, you know, you're dreaming, but then mm-hmm. you have other dreams where it feels so real yeah. and you sort of wake up and you're like, they're normally bad dreams. And you're like, mm. So happy that was a dream. <laughs> See that—that's the thing. I have way less of those ever since I've been like smoking cannabis. Like, uh, rarely I'll have dreams like that. More often, it, if I remember my dreams at all, it'll be like I'll be very conscious of like, oh, this is a dream. Interesting. I, yeah, I can't say I've had many lucid dreams lately either, but um, those are always kind of frustrating because i recognize it's a lucid dream and then i never do any of the things to stay in the lucid dream like the whole (laughs) oh look at your hand and you know like or look at a clock every day it you know because those are the little tricks that will help you stay in the lucid dream when you're there if you have like a habit of looking at your wrist when you look at your wrist in your dream it'll turn into like you know your hand will start changing and you'll be like oh i'm in a dream you know, but because it's like a, a physical habit that you create while you're awake, yeah. you know, it gives you like that jump point during the dream to go from, to like cross that boundary between like the passive observer and full participant, you know, that's, I think that's like what we were talking about before is a lot of people are living their lives like passive observers instead of lucid dreaming active participants you know like that's kind of like living to your highest potential or your highest awareness is kind of like being in a lucid dream with your real life you know and because and, think about it why would a lucid dream be different well because when you're in a lucid dream you realize like anything's possible well in this example or connection i guess once you have that realization that anything's possible in your waking life too, it actually changes your reality to match that. I mean, I don't know how far you get into like positive thinking and all that, but yeah, me being here is a direct result of that. You know, I, I mean, I, there's tons of things that have happened to me that are like one in a million type situations. You know, I'm not like the luckiest man on earth, not, not, not by far, but I think that's kind of a part of what I just described happening to me on a somewhat of a level enough, at least for me to recognize it and talk about it. Yeah, man. I know you say it on your show as well. And I say it as well, the energy you put out is what you get back. And I believe right. that I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just put out an episode uh, with Brandon Thomas and yeah, I said that at the beginning of the episode, um mostly because i feel like brandon thomas has that kind of more than i do for sure i mean if you talk to the guy 
he's always doing something new and he's always like better than he was. So you know, he's doing something right. That's it, man. This Mark, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I would, I'd love to have you back on because I feel like we could talk about so much. Yeah, absolutely. You want to like plan a, a topic and anytime, man. It's been yeah. good getting it. Oh, yeah. I ought to have you on my show and we'll I'd love you know, to, man. Reverse and I'll let you talk the whole time and I'll just ask <laughs> questions. <laughs> it is an honor having you on, man. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell the audience where they can find you? Of course. Yeah. I am uh, at myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. Uh, you can search that everywhere pretty much except for uh, Twitter where I'm MFTIC podcast. They don't let you do my family thinks I'm crazy because it's too many characters. So MFTIC podcast, that's just the acronym for my family thinks I'm crazy. Uh, you can catch me there and on every single podcast app. Usually I'll tweet like when a new episode comes out and stuff so people could follow me there to stay updated but uh if you like video content i got my youtube channel i'm going to be posting more there uh new episode just came out today on the youtube so uh thank you brother i appreciate being on the let's get freaky pod um oh instagram too my family thinks i'm crazy show me some love on instagram yeah man well keep up the great work brother awesome work that you do and uh, i look forward to talking to you again soon Likewise, likewise. Yeah, let's uh, let's schedule a time to talk again. And I also got uh, the cooperative. I'm going to send you the the email about that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And we'll awesome. get you into Alt Media United. I should plug that too, altmediaunited.com. We got a bunch of shows. Uh, they're all independent podcasts, people who are, you know, sort of working to create what they love. And, and I figured, why not put them all on one website? So, People could find us all in one place. Awesome, brother. Thank you very much, sir, and I'll see you soon. Right on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Thank you so much to Mark. If you haven't already, make sure you check out My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. It's absolutely awesome. I love it. You will love it too. So get on that now if you haven't already. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support us, if you want to get us out there to more people, a great way to do that is share our show where you can, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star review. Give us a lovely little comment. That goes a long, long way in the podcast world. Thank you so much, guys. We love you all. We'll be back. Oh, and remember, if you've had any paranormal experiences, God, I can't get my words out tonight. If you've had any paranormal experiences, get in touch with us. Email us to let email us at let's get freaky podcast at outlook.com. That's let's get freaky podcast at outlook.com. Or you can reach us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter at TC. Let's get freaky podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. So come and say hi. Guys, I love you all. We'll be back very soon for more freaky conversations. Have a great week have a great weekend and remember stay safe and keep it freaky bye for now